0: finally the daily wrestling news show is back on the air we're back from a six-day trip to chicago where we watched 88 live wrestling matches and witnessed some incredible moments like the debut of daniel bryan ruby soho and adam cole baby a 60-minute broadway we even had the crowning of john boxley as the new gcw champion i'm ryan joy i run needs a website and database tracking pro wrestling around the world on today's show, we're talking about our crazy trip to Chicago in segment one. Travis Severance is in the house. We're going to talk about the G1 Climax in segment two. And this is the Daily Wrestling News show for September 7th, 2021, where we sort through all the bullshit in wrestling news to find you the truth. And Travis, as Nick Gage would say,
1: where my gang at? Where my mother effing gang at? <laughs> Nick Gage, right? Gosh. What a what a six days of wrestling. And as a lunatic, of course, I got home, unpacked everything, did my laundry, and went right to watch an All Out again because I wanted to hear the commentary. So yeah, add another pile to that 88 in the last six days, and that's where we're at. So I guess we're pretty hard. Yeah. We're hardcore. We're hardcore. Exactly. <laughs> yes, yes. Well, the- main story,
0: right away. Ad Cole, Daniel Bryan, Ruby Soho, Minoru Suzuki, whatever. Tons of debuts at the main show. Yeah, yes. New tag team champions. Let's talk about the debuts first. I think that's the hot story, right? I'm yeah, sure that's going to bury the lead here. Yep. Adam Cole, part of the elite. Daniel Bryan, against the elite. What does this do? You said as we were leaving that you felt like this was a, a shifting
1: moment. In the- so it's, it, it is rare when you can look at a moment in a... Wrestling and be able to snip it out and say, This is a historic moment. And it's not exactly Bash at the Beach, NWO forming, because that was a a very big moment. It's certainly not the slam. But what this does is it's all about momentum. And it's really difficult right now to not say that AEW has a ton of momentum. I'm not going to say ever that AEW is going to get itself to the point where it's successful and it's beating. WWE the way that WCW had for a long period of time, because I'm not sure there's that many eyeballs that are out there that are watching the product in a traditional sense. So we'll never be able to to count those numbers or anything like that. But boy, is this going to, this is pushing the needle about as hard as you can possibly push it. We had talked about them looking at slowing down some of these debuts, like they should use it each episode to, to build a pop. I have to say Number one, they wanted to come out of this pay-per-view huge, and it's impossible to say that they didn't. Number two, they've got to have the stories ready to tell. Because otherwise you do that. Otherwise you save Arthur Ashe for something like that. But I think what happened was there was enough rumblings out there and grumblings out there that like, you can only get eyeballs long enough on that stuff and that dirt sheet conversation and talk. And then it fades like everything else. It's literally yesterday's news. Okay, there's the speculation and stuff like that. But none of these people that we saw were... Going to be as big as Punk. You'll probably never have that ever again. So, yeah, their momentum is so solid and so strong right now. I was one of those people who said, save Daniel
0: Bryan, save Adam Cole, make a big event out of each one of them the way they did Punk. And I think I was wrong because what I realized after the fact is that there were a lot of people watching this pay per view as the first AEW thing they had ever seen. They didn't even watch Dynamite or Rampage from Chicago on Wednesday and Friday. They knew Punk was having his first match, so they tuned in, and you spent fifty bucks on it. Of course, you're going to watch the show from start to finish. You're not going to just watch the Punk match. And by the time you're done, you're like, "Oh, I know Ruby Soho," and boy, did she get a huge pop! And oh my God, Daniel Brian Danielson is on this show now, and Adam Cole is on this show now. These are p- people I like. I'm intrigued, and now I'm going to watch Wednesday. Yeah, that was the hook. That they got for all those people that were watching for the first time all those people that tuned into all out for the first time they've never seen any other AEW show before now they said okay oh, okay we can see Punk on wednesday and we can see Brian danielson and we can see darby allen who i like and adam cole Bebe and everybody and now they're hooked and they're going to come in on wednesday and that's going to be two of the hours that they spend on wrestling that week.
1: And they got to see the tag match. They got to see Miro and Kingston leading off as well. So Miro's somebody that's WWE eyeballs. You got to see MJF and Jericho as well. So like the show was formatted and put together exceptionally well. I think it puts a whole ton of pressure on them in general to continue to deliver. I think the low-key quietest one that I'm most excited about more is Ruby Soho than the two yeah. guys. And the reason why I'm excited about that is we've seen men's wrestlers come over from WWE to AEW and be successful. This is the first woman from the women's division, which to this point was an ionized division. They were, when I came back and I first started watching wrestling again, I enjoyed the women's division in in WWE more than I enjoyed a lot of the men's stuff. It was much more compelling to me. The performers were fantastic and stuff. This is the first woman that comes over, not only does she come over, they have her come out as a joker with licensed music. They have her win and she's right into a title shot. And at the blow off of that, they put her in the ring against Thunder Rosa, who's one of the most talented women on the roster. So I think that brings a pretty strong message to the WWE women's locker room that says, Hey, there's opportunity here. So she's the first woman that gets to whisper back to that locker room. Hey, this is how things are. And I think it's me, super, super important.
0: Let me circle back to that point. Cause I think that's spot on too with that. But certified hustler who's watching the show right now is proving the point. He says that he, he actually said he watched NWA 73 and that's how he got exposed to the women's wrestlers from AEW. He tuned into the show and all of a sudden he sees Adam Cole. He's really glad that he did. So that's another way that AEW exposed themselves and brought in new fans. And then they saw all this crazy stuff at the pay-per-view.
1: So for forbidden portal cooperation, collaboration, it works. Yeah. Yeah. There's only one place on the outside looking in when it comes to that stuff. hundred percent. Yes. So
0: now back to the women's division, which he's brought up because he watched 73. He watched Empower, got exposed to the the AEW talent on the NWA show. You brought up Ruby comes over from WWE. Yes. She's whispering back to the locker room. Now, when she left, all those people were like, oh my God, this is a huge blow to our locker room. So she's well liked. And I listened to Ruby after in the postman post all out media scrum. She said she had never had her name chanted before, which I thought, man, that's crazy. She was at WrestleMania. She was at, she's been all over the place and nobody had ever, they had never had, never got behind her enough to chant her name. But the AEW crowd is so electric and, and it's not for a lack of respect. She's always had that. So
1: I, I, moment for her and I, I can't imagine the volumes. I can't imagine what that, that obviously that takes it to the next level, right? Like she was there for a long time. Yes. She had some injuries and stuff like that. Um, but I can't imagine as a performer being there as long as she did. And then she comes through the curtain at that show and the roof got blown off. There was pre-chance, right? They were counting down at 15 seconds. The Ruby Soho chant started ahead of time. Yeah. If anybody to come through that, that door. It would have been, they would have gotten a pop for sure. But the fact that it was her and that music hit and it was rancid and it was like, God, this is peanut butter and jelly. This is chocolate and peanut butter. Like what, what a great feeling. Cause she got to be nervous. You're coming through that door for the first time. I don't know the fact that you got 13,000 or however many were in that building with Chicago going, cheering your name and then you win the thing. has gotta be. And I think AEW did the right thing because clearly.
0: I don't want to say clearly, but it, the news got out. And I don't think it was by accident that the news was out there because they almost needed to, with there's so many people on the open market, they needed to let us know who to cheer for. Because could you imagine the way it would suck all the air out of the room if the chant was for Tessa Blanchard or the Iconics or somebody like that? And then out comes Ruby. So the story was out there. We had great video packages
1: released on Ruby's Twitter feed. Yep. And, yeah, they did it they did a really good job presenting it. I agree 100%. She was the expectation. I thought she was great in the match in the in the spots that she got. Obviously, the girl can go. That's not an issue or anything like that. I think she's going to fit into that locker room really well because she's Thunder Rosa size. Yeah. And that's a lot of their, that's a lot of their women's wrestlers. You got a couple of bigger gals that are there that are strong and that are top but for the most part, medium-sized, average-sized girls that can just move. And she's going to bring a lot to that locker room. And then I think we could see some co- a couple more coming over from the other side at some point, too. All right, so let's pivot.
0: Was the Lucha Bros versus the Young Bucks the best cage match you've ever seen? And it's hard because you've got hell in the Set, You've got war games. you got those styles. Let's pull them off. Take those away. and think just regular cage. I've heard people say they can't think of a better cage match.
1: Uh, so is it the best one of all time? It's possible. I thought it was really good. You're shooting at me here because I didn't go, I'd have to look at the history of cage matches, the way that they shot it really good. They had the one camera in the corner, the one cameraman in the corner. So we're not shooting in between cage and stuff like that. You've got good views. It was a great story. I, I I'm glad. They started with the ripping off of the mask. We'd seen the mask cost the Lucha Bros the match against them a number of times. So it was good that they didn't get it all the way. I don't know. Like I cried when his daughter came down after they won For the sure. belts like that. It's just an awesome moment and a good build. And it was time to move the belts off the box and Lucha Bros have it. And like uh, well-deserved phenomenal tag team. And it's not even debatable whether or not that's the best tag division in the industry. You can't even have yeah. a conversation really. Yeah.
0: Any weather match, like what was the matches I guess that stuck out most to you on the show in terms of, there was so many moments, right? Eddie Kingston walking through to start the show, absolutely set the crowd on fire. CM Punk was going to set the crowd on fire from the beginning. John Boxley and Kojima, I was really surprised at how well Kojima was um, known and cheered for in the arena. And then Suzuki comes out and it's, absolutely bonkers in the place
1: yeah so you're dealing with a smart crowd in a very different crowd in a crowd that's familiar with going outside of their main brand and looking at other talent from other places and i think the reverence that kojima got coming to the ring as somebody who's a past star, and we've seen this with them bringing in yuji nagata um as well because they are yuji nagata kojima and now Suzuki fi- are in the same generation of wrestlers for them. This is definitely the the sun setting on all of their careers to a degree, although they wrestle pretty late in Japan. It's hard to find a it's hard to find something on the card that was bad. The way that they set up the Kingston Miro match, very good. The Baker statlander match was very good. The the Koji there just wasn't a dud on there. The closest to the dud, I felt the MJF Jericho finish just because it was Yeah. It's a good standard. standard but it was non-standard, like, but even the Paul White QT Marshall was fine. I can't imagine what that show would have been if you add, try to add Andrade versus You Yeah, know, they would have had to cut from every other match, basically. And yeah, I don't know how you could have done it. And we still had as good of a show as it was. There's a lot of the locker room that never came through those curtains. That's yeah, true. Yeah, You know, we, we didn't get Lance Archer. We didn't get Hangman Page. We didn't get any of the Dark Order. There's a lot of talent. None of Team Taz. Brian Cage wasn't there. Will Hobbs, Ricky Starks. Like, yeah. they could have run another pay-per-view with just the people that didn't come out. <laughs> yeah. And it would have been just fine.
0: Yeah. No, and they're stagnant. And they they announced a couple of matches for Dynamite that, you know, feature, and Rampage, that feature some of these other guys. You know, Pac and Andrade. That, that was kicked down to this Friday. Wednesday, we have... Malachi Black
1: will be facing Dustin Rhodes take the surprises out of it and just run the matches by themselves without anybody else showing up you can't do it with Ruby but the rest of the guys showing up them showing up put it way over the top but in general you know I think the the CM Punk match was a safe match I thought that they told a good story I thought it did what it needed to do as far as Darby goes with the build, it was nice that sting came out at the end to suck it up, kid. We're going to get through this kind of thing. It was a good choice. As far as his opponent goes, punk looked like normal punk. Um, I, I didn't have an issue with, with, the match at all. I thought it was put together well and yeah, overall, one of the better pay-per-views I've ever watched. Yeah. Let's talk about
0: some of the other stuff that we did though. Cause you and I like, we talked about 88 matches, but a lot of those were a W matches, but. We went to AAW Destination Chicago. We went to a whole bunch of GCW shows, including War Games. And we went to, and then we went to all the AAW shows. Black Label Pro oh, in there so. too. Yeah. So up until this trip, I had never been in the crowd for a 60 minute Broadway. We had Josh Alexander versus Fred ha- Yehai for the AAW Championship. This was on Thursday night at the show. They went 60 minutes, incredible effort. The referee, if you look, if you just, if you go and watch the AAW show, you get on fight the referee, there is a river of sweat the entire match, just running off of him. Cause he's jumping around, trying to keep up with these guys as there's the they're wrestling. So they're constantly cradling and stuff like that. And he's having to, you know, count all these pitfall attempts and then they wrestle out into the crowd and all kinds of crap, crazy times.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I didn't know that we were in for a 60 minute Broadway. I don't think anybody in the crowd knew that they were in for a 60 minute Broadway, but not for nothing. You got two athletes that could do a 60 minute Broadway and they did. It was a great match all over the place. Just a, a surprise. I'm glad I got to see it and completely unexpected And the rest of the show was stacked, yeah. we're in it, we're in a essentially a gymnasium, a couple floors up and uh hot crowd, stuffed crowd, bunch of people there, familiar faces from the rest of the week. We've certainly saw handful of those folks in the same buildings that we were. So we weren't the only diehards that were going to all the shows because I don't know, I got to recognize people's masks after a period of time. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, you were there too. That kind of thing. So yeah, we were definitely following around the crowd and when there's a big pay-per-view and stuff like that, if you like the town, it's going to be in, you go a couple of days earlier, you can catch all these indie shows ahead of time and you're going to see new talent on the rise and you're going to see some yesterday's talent as well. Yeah. Yeah. So. I actually have some comments coming
0: in here about war games. I'll switch over to that, but the certified hustler who's watching the show on YouTube right now is talking about Dusty Rhodes and the Road Warriors cage matches as some of the best cage matches of all time. Those were war games. So I was trying to exclude those from the Young Bucks conversation. But when we talk about war games, you and I saw something absolutely bonkers. It was a war games match that included light tubes and panes of glass. It was a... Death match four games it had all the all the crazy characters from gcw four four o versus
1: mdk crazy match yeah it was insane so we had you essentially had war game style match so we got a cage on the outside with scaffolding on the end caps one ring I'll, I'll call the clean ring oh yeah. they had doors in it the <laughs> other ring had light tubes all around the outside of it, light tubes on the inside of it, panes of glass on the inside of it. And then on top of that, I think we certainly got a pizza cutter and they had these light tubes with the innards of it being basically a broomstick. So you had light tubes taped around the outside and they were using those to bust on each other. And the scaffolding came into play in what a wild, just an experience yeah. that you'll never see ever, not, not think- one that, that you want to show your kids. No, this is, uh,
0: I don't know if they had any kids in the crowd, but they had about 1,400 people. The building was way past capacity there. If a fire marshal had come, they would have shut the whole thing down. That was absolutely crazy. The thing that's most interesting to me about all these GCW shows, the crowd is usually pretty into everything, but when Nick Gage walks out, man, he has a connection with that audience that is unlike anything I've ever seen. He comes out and it's the way I started the show. He says. He basically says, Hey, Chicago, where's my gang at? And it doesn't matter if he's in Chicago or Vegas or Atlantic city or Los Angeles or anywhere. That's his thing that he says. And he gets mobbed from the moment he walks through the curtain till he gets in the ring. There are fans on every side of him and he just walks around the ring and it's amazing.
1: It has an old ECW feel to it. As far as that goes, like he is their stone cold, essentially. Yeah. He comes out, the whole place gets lit up, and it's wild. It's just, it's something that you got to sit in the crowd to experience and feel like there's an edginess to it because there's some stress and anxiety because this pop is coming and things like that. But there's excitement and enthusiasm too. And yeah, the love for that guy for the crowd is, I don't know, I've never seen it. And I think part of it is, because the proximity to everybody is so close. Gosh, he can't, he comes through the crowd. He does all the sides. The guy knows how to pop the place. And honestly, in the War Games match, he comes out. He's the last guy in the ring. He comes out with barely any cuts for him. He doesn't, yeah. like he was a cleanup hitter for this whole thing. But obviously he brought out the pizza cutter because that's his gig and stuff. But like at the end of the match, he's in the crowd, literally one foot from us. It yeah. is pretty clean compared to poor guys like Alex Cologne with a bunch of hamburger on his oh, shoulder. Yeah. Ricky Shane Page, who got launched off of the top of a scaffolding through a table, pane of glass, uh, light tubes, basically anything you could find in the Lowe's section that's like breakable. <laughs> yeah. I nudged during Gage's entrance, I nudged
0: Maggie, my wife, and I said, Look, if anything happens to this guy or Maybe even if he takes a pin, let's know where the closest exit is to this building, because that's all, that's the only way I can describe it. It was like, I wasn't around for the Beatles, but I had a feeling that was the kind of like mob mentality that was in the building for this guy. I can't imagine what it was like when Cardona beat him a few months ago for the championship. I can't believe Cardona got out of there alive. Like I know everything, everything they could find was thrown at him. In this event, there were no bottles. There were no beer bottles or anything like that. But in Atlantic City or wherever it was that he, the Cardona won, they found him. They, they they
1: had stuff to throw at him. And so, I mean, hats off to Lauderdale too, Brett, for for booking this match. What a great blow off for this four four zero M D K thing with war games and stuff like that. Then he's smart enough to bring out Matt Cardona is going to do his open challenge. Yeah, so we get Matt Cardona in the ring. He's dressed like the Macho King. And everybody hates him. Now, I knew what was going to happen, and it did happen. Now you've got pockets of Matt Cardona fans that are in the crowd, too, that are like the anti-crowd of anti-crowd. So they're cheering him with woo-woo-woos and broskies and different things like that. And you got him out here. And who does Brett bring out? Local goof. Frank the Clown. clown. Frank comes out, and I'm like, I'm looking over because I can see Brett. And I'm like, shaking my head. I'm like, if this is what you're going to give us after you just gave us the War Games match that you gave us, this is not going to do. No. So Cardona pins Frank the Clown in, in one second. Frank manages to cut himself somehow. And out he goes. They wears a dirty ring. <laughs> They're in the dirty ring. Out he goes. G. Raver's music hits, who's a deathmatch guy who had just beaten Jimmy Lloyd the night before in an insane match. We walked out because it was... 2 30 in the morning when we left and they had to go another 40 minutes and we're old so g raver comes out with druids and the druids surround the the out the inside of the ring in the clean ring for cardona g raver walks in noses him up and then leaves and the druids start to leave and who comes out of the hood but it's moxley yeah and if there was a bigger crowd pop the Nick Gage, it was the reveal of John Moxley, who's another person loved by GCW. Now, that build to Moxley Gage been, has been going on for months now. Yeah. And Moxley crushes, Cardona gets dragged out, Moxley's the new champion, and then Gage comes back out, and the next big event in Atlantic City, we're going to see Gage versus Moxley for the title. I would say, you are mentioning that if there was
0: a bigger pop, it was that Moxley pop. I think the fans are now confused. They're like, they want to cheer for both guys. Moxley being the big star who still gives them a little bit of time, to shine and whatnot. And you have Nick Gage, who is their hero, the hero of the promotion. So it's
1: crazy. I think they're confused. (laughs) What did, what is, and what does Moxley do to pay tribute to all those people? He comes out for his match against Kojima at the pay-per-view and he's got a GCW hoodie on. Yep. Yep. Big rub. Big. What did we hear? GCW chance. This is a GCW promotion. chance in Chicago.
0: This is a promotion that only, I should say only, I can't really say only. They drew 1400 people into that building. They were turning people away selectively, but they could have brought a few more people in, but so it was only a portion of the all out crowd that was there that was, that were GCW fans, but the GCW chants were audible and you could even hear them. During the broadcast, if you, yeah. I think if I knew they were there so I could hear them, but, but they were big enough to where there was nobody in the arena that didn't, wasn't like,
1: wow, GCW champ. Yeah, no, it's played by them. That's a, it's a very intelligent promotion for being an indie promotion and they do a really good job and they're, yeah, yeah, absolutely.
0: All right. That said, i still want to talk, man, we saw the powers of pain.
1: We did see the powers of pain. I didn't think that would ever have been on my bucket list, yet here it is. And so we're going to get a four-on-four four the night before at Three Cups Stuffed. And naturally, the four-man tag team is going to be... We've got to have face paint to be on the team. We yeah, have right. Warhausen, which is going to be Warhouse, Warhorse and Danhausen. And then we're going to have Barbarian Warlord come out. And that's our four-man squad. Then mdk (laughs) we're going to get mdk which is going to (laughs) be nick gage in the second gear crew so we're going to see justice manser and aj gray yeah and we don't know how this is going to go home because if gage takes the pin the whole place is going to riot or anything like that how are they going to wrap this up and they wrap it up by starting by but so they bring out ricky shane page for 440 at the beginning in the middle of the show he cuts a promo we're here to stay. We're gonna crush war games. So you're like, okay, well that's enough. Don't they come out in the mid in the middle of this match to disrupt it? And all eight of the guys end up getting over on four four zero when they come out and do the beating and clear them out. And there, there's no finish to the match, but there's an appreciation there. And it was just crazy to see that. I know. As first, just the fact that like you, Warlord
0: and Barbarian are still active enough to get in the ring. Now they were extraordinarily active. They were basically. Getting hit and not selling anything—that was the shtick. Yeah, because they are who they are; they're enormous. So it was fun to ha- see them. Warlord clearly looked like he got into a little something before that. But <laughs> this show, he was a little dazed and confused. If war, you know, Warlord was definitely feeling good with himself for <laughs> sure. But yeah, no. So all in all, I, I guess what I'm saying when I when we talk about all these things is that we went to Chicago for AEW. We know that all these other promotions pile on to the big weekends so we're like okay we're going to see some other stuff and we got aaw we bought our tickets to aaw what did we get a 60-minute broadway that was not something that was on my bucket list because what are the chances that you're going to see that today
1: i guess pretty good now that josh alexander's working and oh yeah we also got to see davy richards versus daniel garcia and we got to see ace austin in the ring as
0: well, and then we, we went the, to GCW. We saw War Games. We saw the Barbarian, the War Warlord. We went to a show called Effie's Big Gate Brunch, and you do the math. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> and then we saw the pay per view of all pay per views for a Yeah, so just a wild weekend. Excellent weekend. We're gonna take a quick break. I do have some more stuff we want to talk about this morning. Uh We'll probably go on a little bit of an abbreviated run through the G one. Climax this year, but stick with us, and we'll be right back. If you love the Daily Wrestling News show, then I want to tell you how you can support us. First, check out bodyslamclothes.com. You can get a variety of shirts for just twenty dollars, and all of them come in the super soft style. And the price you see includes all sizes and shipping. Get ten percent off two or more shirts with the promo code SHIRTS TEN. Go to bodyslamclothes.com right now to check it out. And join Joey Jarzenka, Ian Schreier, and Rob DeLuca on Monday nights for the Primetime Rundown. They take you through the world of sports, and the show kicks off each Monday at 7 p.m. on the Eastern Observer. And each Tuesday, Al Carl hosts the Essential Wrestling Podcast alongside John Smith, myself, John DeConte, and Gary Mahaffey. It's another week of updates and highlights in the world of wrestling. Here are our analysis on who we think is going to win the week's matches. Coverage begins at 6 p.m. on the Eastern Observer. And Pro Wrestling Pick'em. It's a place where you can join or host a Pick'em League to test your predictive skills in the world of pro wrestling. Create an account and join a league now at ProWrestlingPick'em.com so you can play against your friends or play against the universe. And the Body Slam Brigade newsletter, currently going out to over 4,200 people each Friday. It consolidates all the top stories in professional wrestling into a quick-to-read email written by me, for you, for free. Sign up now at BodySlamBrigade.com. And, of course, this show, The Daily Wrestling News Show. We're here every day, Monday through Thursday and occasionally on Friday. You can listen to us on Apple Podcasts and Spotify or watch us live on Facebook and YouTube at 10 a.m. This is The Daily Wrestling News Show, and we thank you
1: for your support.
0: All right, we are back. And so we talked about the crazy trip to Chicago. That was awesome. Yes, to the comments that are coming in, the Powers of Pain were at the GCW show. That's where that's where you could see. It. All right. So, the G1 climax is, is the biggest tournament in, in from my estimation from the point I'm sitting at, it seems like it's the biggest tournament in all of wrestling. And it is it's always on Japanese soil. It's like, plays out over about 20 days and it starts on september 18th you've got two blocks of wrestlers an a block and a b block 10 wrestlers in each It's round robin they all wrestle each other the tally up points at the end to determine the the winner of each block and then they compete in a final so that's the ground rules for the g1 climax we got the reveals for who's in the blocks and not surprisingly travis because uh, of COVID protocols and COVID, going to when you're going to Japan, you got to sit out for ten days before you do anything. There are no Americans on the list. Nobody that lives outside of Japan is on the list this year. In some cases, I guess that's a little disappointing because you don't have the breadth of people in there. We've had John Moxley within the last two years he wasn't here. We, no Jay White this year because they're going to be busy running running shows in America too. So no Will
1: Ospreay. The list is not as, not maybe what we wanted, but yeah, it's it, so no surprises on the list. Now, obviously with the, the talent leaving, this is, they knew what this, these blocks were going to look like a month or so ago, because they said, Jay, you can head over Willie, you can head over. You're going to do these different things. It's too bad. Cause I think it, it when we talked about the New Japan cup, my pick for Winning G One this year was Jay White, and we're not going to see Jay. We're not going to see Will for English-speaking wrestlers. We've basically got God, Zack Saber Jr., and Jeff Cobb, and that's it. So it's going to go back to the more traditional Japanese wrestler sense. It's a little bit of a letdown for me. Like I really wanted them to there to be some surprises. Like I I would have loved if somebody from AEW had made it over there, and but it's going to be more traditional, and this is their thing. I'm less excited about it than I've been in years past. Yeah, me too. I, I have to say
0: that I know and I blame COVID really because I believe the forbidden door being open or whatever you want to say. Look, New Japan has been working with AEW. They've been working with Ring of Honor. I'm sorry, not Ring of Honor. They have in the past. Impact, the monitor, but Impact. More recently with Chris Bay and things like that. I feel like the G1 is open in the future to having all kinds of different people in it. This year, I think we're let down because of COVID and the just strict protocols that, that are in Japan. You can't get people over there. Now ha- having said that there's going to be a lot of good matches here. You have some people each block that are destined to not win a, win a single match or, win a couple upsets or whatever. So you got those guys that are at the bottom, then you've got a competitive set of like about four people in each block. So in a block you have Shingo Takagi, Tomohiro Ishii, Naito. Zack Sabre Jr., Toriyano, Kenta, Great Kant, Tagaloa, Kota Ibushi, and Yujiro Takahashi. So there are in A block, Shingo, Naito, Ibushi, and Kenta, I would say, are at the top of that block. And as it turns out, the last day that they're going to be, the last day that they're wrestling in block competition, Kenta is facing Ibushi. So it's probably going to come down to those guys being toward the top.
1: top so, the so I didn't know that was the schedule. And I picked some guys that I thought could get out of the block. And the two names that I have in A block are Bushi and Kenta. So <laughs> now
0: Bushi has won the tournament the last two years. Yes. So this, this would be like a huge credential for him to win the win for the like third year in a row. He just had his first match in months, though, over the weekend. And he lost to Hiroshi Tanahashi in about 15 minutes. And it was, I guess I, I was not able to see it cause I was in Chicago watching the powers of pain and war games and all that crap, but apparently a very emotional situation. He was smaller because he been, hadn't been able to work out. He had aspirational pneumonia, so he was down and out for a long time. So he is back. Hopefully he can get himself in really good condition cause the G1 requires it. And then, like you said, I, I think Kenton and are on the top end of that. If I had to pick a sleeper in here, it's great. Okan cause he's improved a lot and he's fighting Naito on the last night. Naito has been among the top uh, of the division for the last several years. So you took my sleeper pick too. In the B block, the B block consists of Hiroshi Tanahashi, Kazuchika Okada, Hiroki Goto, Taichi, Sanada, Tama Tonga, Jeff Cobb, Evil, Chase Owens and Yoshihashi.
1: Why don't this time I throw it to you and say, who do you think your favorites are in the block? So I got Tanahashi and Okada as my two favorites in the block here. Tanahashi, because I don't know, it feels like every year we try to say the story of the last year of Tanahashi is going to be here and yada yada. So like he's really hard not to call out that they won't give him one more um, shot at it. And Okada is just, I don't know what his G1 record is, but it's pretty incredible. And for my spoiler, it, another United Empire guy, I got Jeff Cobb as a potential for a spoiler because he's been getting a pretty good rub lately. Just, they just had him beat Okada. So there's an inner, there's an inner story that's going on there. He's not a traditional pick either. No, but the interesting thing is you have, and and I think in this
0: one, there's a bunch of sleepers. Okay. Sonata has made the finals many times, including last year. And he's facing Evil on the last night. Oh, sure. So Sonata, and and Evil is a former world champion or heavyweight champion. Former LIJ members. So there's a story there, even if it's not a block final, like it's not going to determine the winner. You've got a story that's built in there. It could very well be the match that, you know, makes the difference. Now you also have Cobb and Okada who have a rivalry. And as we just said, our two, you have one that's a favorite for the whole tournament and you have one that is a sleeper pick for the tournament. So you have Cobb in there too, facing Okada the last night. Maybe that's going to be the match that determines who wins the whole thing. And then you've got Tanahashi facing Tai Chi and Tai Chi is one of those guys where we're always just about ready to pull the trigger on Tai Chi and we pull it back and what's interesting this year. So that field looks like it has about six guys that could potentially be competing at the end of the tournament for the block final to make the finals. So what's interesting is you have the you have the six guys. It's pretty wide. It's pretty wide open there. I forget my, oh, my point was, and then you have Wrestle Kingdom. They announced it's going to be a three night event. So they've been doing two nights the last two years. And this year they're extending it to three. January 4th and January 5th. Usually the winner of this tournament gets a shot at Wrestle Kingdom. And it used to be a one night event. It was the main event. Now they've got three, three different nights. So it's hard to say what they're going to do. Yeah. It'll be interesting to see how they decide to format for sure. Yep. Okay. A couple of points. I just want to make sure that everybody sees that he has also <laughs> said that we are the best wrestling heads of the business, which is, I'll take it. Thank you. A couple of news items before we got to here. MLW major league wrestling fusion alpha debuts on nine 22. That's going to be a quick mini series on YouTube, 7. PM on Wednesdays that bridges us to the next season of MLW. So that'll be fun. We have a, in Philly, we have the big Hammerstone-Fa2 match that's coming up. So that's the one that MLW has been building to for like over a year. That match is coming.
1: Yeah, and I'm excited too. There's a handful of guys that are lucha guys that are that we've seen on these GCW loops and stuff like that. Both Aramis and Erez Strange, which are two of the stronger luchas. If you haven't had a chance to watch those guys, they are a treat in the ring. That's right. Yep.
0: And then on the Ring of Honor side, I want to mention that the Death Before Dishonor pay-per-view is this Sunday, and they are crowning a new women's champion. They have not had one in a couple of years. And then the finals are down to Miranda LSA and Roxy, 17 years old, trained by Booker T. So very fun final there. And then uh, NXT tonight, we have MSK versus Lorcan and Birch for the tag titles. Zoe Stark and Io Shirai versus KC Catanzaro and Caden Carter for the tag titles. So two tag title matches tonight, Mei Ying making her in-action debut. And then Ember Moon versus Kaylee Ray, which is a fun match too. So NXT is it has got a good card tonight. And it, uh, the other thing that's fun to watch is all the news about NXT going through their changes and stuff. This is the last taped show before the big... Reveal of whatever it's going to be next week. So with the new Nickelodeon logo. Yeah. With the new Nickelodeon logo, the, or the paint spatter, the Bob Ross version. It's fun. So, all right. I think we have answered all of the questions from the chat. I think we have covered down on most of the wrestling news. We didn't even cover what's going on in the world of Monday, night raw and, and stuff like that. WWE. We'll get to that probably tomorrow with John Smith on the show and, uh, all will be set right with the world. So with that said, Travis, anything you want to take us home with?
1: No, a yeah, great week of wrestling. We got to see, we were lucky enough to see that. I'm really excited about this AEW momentum and it, it's a good time to be a wrestling fan overall. If you enjoy good wrestling, you, you've got a lot that you can watch. Yeah, it's a great time. It is a great time.
0: All right. For Travis, I'm Ryan We will see you tomorrow at 10 a.m. John Smith will be here. Thanks everybody for watching. We'll see you then.